What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 122 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with country artist Aaron Kinsey. First off, thank you so much for checking out my show. If this is your first time joining the Adult Education Podcast, I hope you like what you hear and you stick with us. I would really appreciate it if you would take a second to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using and feel free to share the show with your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to inspire some new people to check it out. So I'm always impressed when I meet people who knew what they wanted to do when they were young. I, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life until I was well into college. Hell, I, I still don't even know if I'm doing what I want to do with my life at this point. This week's guest knew from the age of 11 that all she wanted to do was write songs and perform them for people. I caught up with country music artist Aaron Kinsey. The now 22-year-old has been living and working in Nashville since she was 17 years old. She signed a record deal a year or so ago and has been working to get that breakthrough hit. Now, now, personally, I think she's one of the best young talents the country industry has right now, and I am positive that we're going to be hearing a lot more from her in the near future. In this conversation, we talk about what it's like growing up in Texas and wanting to be a performer. We discuss how the pandemic impacted her career and how she's grown since having her first taste of success with her first single. I hope you enjoy my chat with Erin Kinsey. Hi there. <laughs> Where are you? So I have a right at 11, but my very first vocal coach I ever worked with is kind of by where my right is. So funny enough, I remember working with her when she was pregnant with her first daughter. I was taking lessons like after elementary school. So this was a while ago, but I just went and had dinner with her and her family like a couple weeks ago. And her daughter is now like 10 and is a big fan of my music. And it literally was the most full circle moment. So I put together this bag and like have a sweatshirt and like all the merch that I had at my house and like threw it in a bag. And I was like, I'm going to take this there because that's literally the most precious full circle crazy thing ever. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Thanks. Um, it's my good deed for the day, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I had to leave a little bit earlier, like get on my way <laughs> then to be able to make it all work. But yeah, well, I let me. Over. Let me throw this out to you because, like, if you want to reschedule this, we can do that. Oh, like no, we're fine. I just didn't want you to feel like you had to do it in this moment while you're doing other things, you know? Oh, you know what? I've learned that there's always a lot of moving parts. You just make them all work together. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> that is so true in this business, and I'm glad that you've picked this up. I mean, I want to say so quickly, but you've been doing this for so long that it's not really that quickly. Like, you've been doing this business for longer than most people have. You know, it's, it's really crazy to think that far back because I typically don't I feel like I moved in 2018 and that's typically one of my story starts in my brain but yeah I was taking vocal lessons when I was 12 years old and it was because that's the only thing my parents knew what to do with me they're like okay well you'd like to sing I guess we'll put you in some lessons or something um because neither of them are musical but it is crazy to think back to like the first few songs I wrote and the first few songs I learned and how long ago that really was <laughs> Yeah, and it's crazy to think because you're you're only 22 years old, which to you may seem like, wow, I'm 22 years old. But to yeah. the rest of us, you're only 22. But like you said, you've been doing this for so long. Like I think was 11 years old, you kind of made the yeah. commitment to say like, I'm going to be an artist. This is what I'm going to do. I got a guitar for Christmas, classic story. And the second I learned that I could learn songs that I heard on the radio and sing them and perform them for my parents, and then I could even write my own, it was over. I just, nothing else 
hit me and made me excited the way that that did. I had been in every sport and every club, did everything. My parents wanted me to be busy. So I was busy, but I didn't love anything the way I loved that. It just felt like being busy um, until I learned that. I mean, I would be so excited for my guitar lessons, my vocal lessons, anything to do with it. I was obsessed. That's so cool. And you mentioned your parents weren't musical. So when you were younger, did you just have this like energy? Like, were you a performer? Like my daughter, you met my daughter about a year ago. She's going to be a performer. Like she's got this energy about her where I'm like, there's going to be a stage involved. Yes. can't help like stare at her. (laughs) You're like, she's so, I mean, she's so cute, but just like the way that she moves, I totally get it. Yeah. So like, I feel like at some point we're going to have to put her in a dance class or put a guitar in her hand or something. So with you growing up, like how did your parents know, like, okay, we've got to, we've got to get Erin into everything we can. We've got to get her to work this energy out. Like, where is, what are we going to do? So, you know, I was in dance. I sang at like the church choir thing. Um, but I wasn't, You know what? Honestly, my younger sister has such a big personality that I probably was pretty outgoing, but compared to her, I was not. (laughs) Um, So it's actually very funny to my family that I'm the one doing all this stuff. And, you know, even with the social media things and all that, because they really thought it would be her. Um, But she just signed a a deal, I guess. I don't know. To go play uh, D1 tennis at Steve Austin. So she's super athletic and she is really outgoing still, like has all the friends, all the things. Um, but you know, I think what's crazy was literally just my love for the craft. And I, I mean, even with the social media stuff, it didn't come super natural to me at first, but I was like, you know what, if this helps me get to be able to play on stage, if this helps me get to write songs every day, I am all about it. I will learn how to love it. (laughs) And, um, so it's been cool because the, the actual playing guitar, the actual writing songs has always been the thing for me, not getting the attention, not, um, you know, wanting to be seen or dressing up. Like all of those things have at times felt like, you know, the price you pay, but it's literally just the love for the craft. So 11 years old, you get this guitar, you decide this is it. Like I'm going to write, I'm going to play, I'm going to do all these things. Now you're, you grew up outside of Dallas, right? In Texas. Yeah. Yeah, a little it was northeast of Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Google Maps treated me well today. Uh, oh, so, yeah, he's a geography boy. <laughs> I, I feel like growing up in Texas, if you decide you want to be a songwriter, you obviously have a love for country music, it can be a great place to be, but I also imagine it's a difficult place to be. Like, if you're trying to break yeah. your way, and especially at a young age like you, I'm sure you were playing some places where they were like, who is this chick? Like, what is this? Oh, for sure. <laughs> For sure. You know what? I was just talking with, um, I don't know if you ever met Madison Kozak, but we went and got bar taco margaritas last night. And um, we were talking about this because she's from Canada and there's kind of a similar world there. There's actually an entire Opry circuit in Texas that's huh. all based on the Grand Ole Opry. And it's a variety show. They have a house band and they are, I mean, there's probably 15 of them. Like they are they all around. So that was kind of the first place I really played. I mean, my first show was Rockwell's Got Talent. And that tells you everything you need to know about it, really. Um, but I ended up getting third. And the girl who got first went on to go on The Voice and she killed it. Um, but she was a couple years older than me and knew about these Opry's. So she told me about them and I started to go play them. And on the weekends, my family, we'd go get Dickie's barbecue and then I'd go play my couple songs at the Opry and we'd go home. <laughs> and um, it was so cool to be able to have a 
a scene of music because like you said, being in Texas, like the idea of doing music wasn't quite as foreign as I think it would have been in some other areas of the country. There is a whole country music scene and there, you know, Miranda Lambert's hometown was only a couple hours away from mine. So people were aware that people did that. I think they probably didn't think people like me did that, but they were like, yeah, some people do that sometimes. (laughs) Um, so definitely more welcoming. And I mean, I obviously had the most supportive parents in the world. They never let me in on how absolutely ridiculous it is to let me do this. I mean, I talked to them the other day when I moved, I was technically 17 when I moved. And at the time it was like, of course this is happening. Like what else would I do? But now I look at them like, how did y'all let this happen? Like wh- what kind of parents? <laughs> I'm like, were y'all not terrified? Um, and now I know that they were, but they were just literally doubled up on their prayers for a while. <laughs> Uh, going back to Texas for a second, I'm always fascinated by it too because there really is a whole different world of country music in Texas. Like I, I think about it from a venue standpoint too. I mean, there's just a million different places to play. And whereas like me living in Baltimore, if I were going to do like a really big show in this area, I'd be thinking like, oh, I'd love to go do Madison Square Garden in New York or one of those big yeah. arenas. But like in Texas, that big place could be Floor's Country Store. Like, and you've got like yeah. so many of them like that where it's like that's the legendary place that. I want to play as a Texas totally. artist. Totally. And there's actually one, and I mean, definitely more sentimental than, you know, capacity wise or media wise or right. anything. But there was a, um, a venue in my hometown in Rockwall. It's like where everybody went to go line dance. And I got to headline a show there about a year and a half ago. And I, freaked out like I was like this is amazing I'm playing at Southern Junction like I can't believe it (laughs) like and you like make your own stakes and stuff there and I was like people are gonna be making their stakes while I'm playing my songs (laughs) and it was such a big genuine moment and but you're right it was far from Madison Square Garden it's far from even having like a huge capacity like it literally is just like this is the place that people go to have a fun Friday night in my hometown and I'm gonna get to play it and that was so so fun you know like one of my other things like that and you're gonna laugh but rockwell texas is divided by a highway and you have the north side and the south side and it's friday night lights all over that thing like you get half priced everything if they win the football game like literally it's amazing um but they have a rival game every year and it's rockwall versus rockwall heath and i'm like i would love to sing the national anthem at that. And that is a genuine want in my heart. Like I got to play the Opry. I got to fly to London. I've gotten to do all these cool things. And I'm like, I have not sang the anthem at the rival game yet. <laughs> and that is still on my bucket list. <laughs> Wait, who do we have to call? I mean, you went to, you went to one of those schools, I'm assuming, know. right? Yeah, I went to Rockwell Heath. Okay. I'm a hawk. I literally told my manager last year, I was like, can we make this happen? And the children's choir did it. I was like, <laughs> Uh, okay. So I have to be a child and in the choir, but I think like I can get on in a couple of years. We'll see. They apparently it's, you know, something that a lot of people want to do. <laughs> Did you hear the Carly Pierce story recently about the Kentucky Derby? 
No. So so Carly's from Kentucky, famously, and yeah. she was being interviewed by somebody, and, and I, I don't know how it came up, but somebody asked her, like, have you ever sang the national anthem at the Kentucky Derby? And she was like, no, but if you know someone, let's make it happen. She got a call, like, later that week from the head of the Kentucky Derby was like, I would like to invite you to sing the national anthem at this year's Kentucky Derby. <laughs> so okay. Whoever so that was. Right yeah. <laughs> we're on the right path. We're doing the thing. Step one, complete. <laughs> Put it out in the world. I'll, ma- I'll make some calls. He's Rockwell Heath. I'll do that. Okay. Yes. Work on that. And all of your free time. I've got it covered. I, I love to hear too that your parents were so supportive. And I feel like that is, that's a big part of most of these stories, especially when artists oh. such as yourselves have that opportunity when you're younger, you know, you've, you've yeah. got this really supportive team behind you that's willing to make those sacrifices for you. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure that means so much to you as well to know they've got your back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially once I've moved and heard stories from my friends that don't have similar stories and what kind of dynamic that adds to them. Um, Like when I call my parents, I can complain about things going on because I know that they're going to support me. They're not going to say, well, that's why you should have gone to college. (laughs) So um, it's it means so much. And I try to tell them that as much as I can remember to, because it does they've been so supportive for so long. I feel like it's easy to become numb to that or feel like I, you know, deserve that. But the thing is I really got lucky with that because a lot of my friends don't have that. Um, so yeah, I absolutely feel super, super blessed and they'll never know how much it's, you know, affected everything. When you moved, you said you were 17 when you moved to Nashville. What was that like? What was that experience like for you? You know, I had been coming to town for a few years before that. I started traveling up to Nashville kind of consistently in high school. Like I, started getting in the writing community and had meetings with some people and would go to shows. Um, now not being 21 here is a definite factor, (laughs) but, um, I would do everything I could, which was mostly right. I knew enough people here to where my dad would say, like, if you, you know, blow a tire on the side of the road, call this person, they're going to (laughs) come. And I think he like sat down and had some dinners with people and was like, if she calls you and needs you, please go help her. (laughs) But so I felt like I had a version of a family of like some support here, but it was interesting not being in college and not being 21 because it was kind of hard to find people to be friends with that weren't people that I just wrote with. And at the time, it was a lot of like mentors writing with me, not like peers, because I had a lot of growing to do. It was an interesting world to navigate, but then COVID happened. And then everything was interesting and weird. And then I feel like I came back after that and had turned 21 or was about to. And um, things felt like I it almost felt like I got like a reintroduction to Nashville. But that first few two and a half years were just writing a lot mm. and just loving it and doing it as much as I could in any way I could, whether I meant posting videos on YouTube or, um, on Instagram and TikTok wasn't around at the time. It was like musically or something like that, but just diving into it. Cause it's all I really could do. Can I do a random aside right now? I was on your YouTube and I was checking out some of the videos. I I'm struggling right now because I know there's different types of videos. Like there was yes. the official music video, which was the gold standard for so long. Then there was the lyric video, which was essentially just the music and lyrics, like scrolling through the screen. But now we have like visualizers, which I watched a couple of your visualizers and those look like real videos to me. Like you're singing, you're acting like you're performing. So my guy, Robbie, who does all my video stuff, he goes above and beyond. Basically, a visualizer, if we were to translate it, is a low-budget music video. Okay. <laughs> it's like me, Robbie, 
and one of my friends making sure my hair doesn't look crazy and we figure it out. Now music videos are like 20 grand and they, you know, shut down the back road and it's crazy and there's police. And I got to do one like that with Just Drive. Like it was insane. I couldn't believe how many people were there to make sure that we got this two and a half minute music video. It blew my mind. I mean, I had a girl, she was like, what would you like? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, and she's like, anything coffee from Starbucks, Dunkin', whatever you want. I'm going to grab it for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, the star treatment. Now I bring coffee to our shoots with Robbie. <laughs> I'm like, I got you a latte. But, um, so this very low budget, like low, very DIY, but he goes so above and beyond. And he is so passionate about the music that he puts in way more effort than is required of him and makes them look like full on music videos. It is insane. We actually just shot a visualizer for one of the songs that's going to be on the EP a couple days ago. Okay. We had this vintage truck. That was a friend, like a friend of a friend of a friend. And we got it, took it to these backers in Hendersonville, which is a small town, like North of, da- of Nashville. And We were there. The roads were not shut down. So we were, you know, dealing with people coming every which way and, you know, trying to get shots where nobody was there and their houses weren't getting in it. And it was definitely a challenge. But we had this vision where we would have the tailgate of the truck down and I would be sitting on the edge of it while we're going very, very slow down a road. And I'm like performing. But you wonder how you get the camera to capture that because obviously Robbie wouldn't be in the truck he would be outside of the truck this man pulls up with rollerblades and I'm <laughs> what are we are you like a like a secret skater like where are we this is gonna be a big thing he's like never roller skated in his life he has a helmet and I'm like oh my gosh like you're gonna die on my video shoot this is not no it's it's not a music video it's just a visualizer like chill out but funny enough we ended up having we're in this like you know, part of the road where no one was going to be. There's, like, no houses around. This big old jacked-up black truck pulls around, and it's this high school kid. And he goes, what are y'all doing out here with rollerblades and girls all dressed up? What is going on? And we told him our vision, and literally he offered to put the tailgate down on his truck and drive backwards behind our car, I guess, and so Robbie could lay down and get the shot. And I, we all were convinced this was a guardian, guardian angel sent to save Robbie's life <laughs> because I, we were trying to figure out how the windy, hilly roads were going to work with the rollerblades. And luckily we didn't have to find out. Um, but that little story is just to say how much he is willing to do to get the shot. Well, I love Robbie. I love him for you. I love him as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like when I hear stories like that, I know that I made the right decision not going into music because I have such a, I always have a fear of people watching me. I don't know why. I know it's so silly, but like I get so, I I just, I mean, I do radio. So I essentially sit in a room by myself all day talking to myself, but like when I have to be out on stage and like introduce a band, like I just, my whole body gets hot. I feel so like, Oh my gosh, they're all looking at me. What are they staring at me for? Yeah. You know, I feel that from time to time. I feel it less on stage and more in scenarios like this. Because these poor people are just trying to go home from work and we're out here, you know, making ourselves definitely known. Um, There's also been times where I filmed TikToks in my car and someone has walked by my car. Like I have been so violently humbled so many times. It's starting to become a little numb. Yeah. And now I just don't care as much. I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. This is what I signed up for, apparently. And, um, you know what? 
what you do to get the shot. <laughs> I was thinking back to what you were talking about before when you moved to Nashville and how COVID came in and kind of interrupted the process a bit. I'm almost happy for you that it came when it did. Because I know so many artists that started to get their breakthrough moment in, say, 2019. And it's uh, been so much more difficult for them to come back out of the pandemic. Because it was like, oh, yeah, because radio in general would be like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Where have you gone? It's like, well, they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. The world shut down. Yeah, exactly. The entire world came to a halt. Um, no, I'm definitely thankful for the timing of how things happened. Because also, I was not into social media before COVID happened. I just, again, I just wanted to play guitar and write songs and play. And I didn't realize that there was this opportunity to have such a deeper connection with the fans. And also I was like 19 at the time. So it's just like a different perspective on life, honestly. Um, but I hadn't released music. I didn't understand like what the potential could be. And so I was forced to lean into it because if I wasn't doing that, what was I doing? Like taking my dog on another walk around the neighborhood need to <laughs> um so it was it forced me to like start posting covers start posting originals more and I eventually released my first song and then all of a sudden I mean I actually had a moment last night I was responding to comments just like on my last post and I've been trying to get better at it like doing it faster because typically I'll just have a day where I go and respond to like all the comments from the last like two weeks and it's just a lot no one needs to do that um so I've been trying to do it a little bit along the way and it's amazing to me how many of the comments, you never know what you're going to get, but are like girls my age. And they're like, get it, girl. Like, I love that lip color. Like all of this stuff. And I'm like, wow, it is such a community. Like it is such the sorority I never had. Like it's so sweet. And it made me so thankful for times like COVID where obviously things were horrible. Such horrible things happened, but there's no doubt so much good was able to come out of it in some ways too. And for my good to have been creating this community of people that now, you know, comment on the lipstick color I used in a video and hype up the jumpsuit I wore. I was like, this is so sweet. It's a, there's such a sweetness to it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I, I give you credit too. Another reason why I know that I could never be an artist is I cannot read comments of things. I take yeah. things so personally and it's, I know it's dumb because it's just a comment, but even today on the air, I said something on the air and I got an email from someone that I, I feel like is an ignorant response to what I said on the air. And it's been burning a hole in me ever since I got that email. And I, I'm just like, I can't even imagine being an artist and looking through the comments of things. I feel like for you, yeah. I, I'm sure you get some weird things things here and there, but you're a pretty oh, positive sure. person. You're an upbeat person. I imagine the majority are pretty positive comments, yeah. but then there's that one that's going to come through and I, it would ruin my whole day. I would ruin everything. Oh, for me. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some that hit harder, but more recently I've tried to take this as an opportunity to make it funny for me and, or like make it funny for my sister, give someone a laugh. Um, and so like I had a one comment that I posted a picture with my makeup done and somebody says wow you look way better without makeup and I was like the picture is me with makeup <laughs> so I but my I was like you know what okay whatever makeup is expensive so I commented that I was like you know what that's fine but it's funny because you know none of these people would ever say any of this stuff to your face they're only saying it because they're behind a computer screen or a phone screen um and you know my typical rule is if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. But some people feel the need to say it anyways. Um, and it's a them thing. 
it's but it is definitely tough and there have been phases in my life where I have like completely just not looked at all and that's been the thing I needed then um so also even when I'm going through comments I try to gear where my head and my heart is at to see if I need to do that right now if I need to do it at all um but luckily right now it's mostly just hype girls which I mean I love looking at that that's fun (laughs) that's awesome that's great to have on your side um so you lean into social media during the pandemic, you come out and you end up getting connected to records, which I always think is funny to say because it's a record label, but it's called records. Um, So you get connected with them. How does that deal all come together? So, you know what? I released a song on DSPs only um, in the spring. It was my first song. I like made a Spotify account, you know, whatever. And I saw the support from these girls, but it was a ballad. It was very, very sad and depressing. And obviously I have my moments just like anybody, but typically I try to be, like you said, like positive, upbeat, especially like online. Um, So I did not like the idea of people pulling up my name and just seeing this depressing, sad, heartbreak song. I was like, absolutely not. So I go into this writing session and I was like, we need to write something so fun. And I love nothing more than driving around in my car. So we're going to write something about it. And they were like, okay. So I also love big guitars and drums. And we're going to have that in there. And these two poor boys, Josh Ronan and Michael August, looked at me like I was a mad scientist with a plan. And luckily they were ready to get down with it. Um, So we wrote Just Drive. And then I recorded it with Josh and ended up posting about it. And it got so much traction. Numbers I didn't even know you could get on these platforms. It I started getting followers on Instagram. And it got so many pre-saves. And all of a sudden, I had all these numbers and all these people looking at me. And I was like, I do not know what to do with this. <laughs> um, it happened just so quick. And I've been you know, doing it, doing it for so long. But the art side of it, not the marketing side of it. So all of a sudden I was trying to figure out what to do and records reached out. And I talked to a couple labels, um, besides them, but they were the ones that felt like family. And I don't know if it's, you know, how you feel when you have a kid and you're like, Oh, this is their name. Like, I just know it's right. Um, but it felt like I can't imagine doing this with any other team. Mm. So I signed with them. I ended up signing publishing with Joe Fisher, who's involved in the label as well. Um, and just double down on the family. And then we were off and running. It was crazy. It's interesting too. Cause it, at the time that you signed, they were a fairly new record label okay. and they aren't yep. a big, they're not a big name yet in Nashville. They're growing for sure, but they're not like, they're not big machine. They're not Sony. They're not capital, whatever yep. the situation is. So it's, It's great because I would agree with you. I would love to go with a team like that because I think it is family. Like They are going to work harder for you than maybe a big major label would. But it's also still a risk because you know they've got growing to do as well, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, maybe if I was farther along and wasn't like on my first song or something, I would feel like I need somebody more established. But for me, I was kind of like, let's be scrappy with it. Let's figure it out together. (laughs) Let's like figure out what to do and you know, because they're not a big company, they don't have all of the, the way they've always done it. They have what works, what do we want to try? How, what, what can we do that nobody else is doing and nobody's willing to do? No one has the time to do. And we've been able to do some really cool things. Um, but also something that is, I mean, I'm learning more and more so crazy is I can pick up the phone and call the head of my label answers and we can you know brainstorm together and we can have meetings and really have everybody involved not just the on the ground team the first level or my contact people but I can go and talk to anybody anytime because we are a small crew um so it's been really cool to feel like everybody's involved and everybody has their hands on it and there's not this whole other side of the label I don't even know I know everybody (laughs) 
It's funny that you say it, and it, it sounds so much like a conversation I had many years ago uh, with this guy that you may recognize. Um, what's his name? Morgan Wallen. I don't know if you're familiar oh. with him. Yeah. So I, I actually, I met him essentially on the day the ink was drying on his contract. Wow. And we were talking about Big Loud because at the time, Big Loud Records was Chris Lane and that was it. And then they signed Morgan Wallen. Okay. And he was telling me the same exact story. It was like, oh my gosh, like this team feels like a family. I can call now over the years, obviously, as his career has grown and Hardy and all of them have grown, that label has become its own entity as well. So I'm sure things are still different over there now. But at the yeah. time, it was the same story. They have, they are a family. Like, I mean, you see Ernest post about his, you know, whatever crawfish boil he did or whatever. And literally all of them are over there. It's the whole big loud label. It's the writers. It's the artists. It is a family over there. And I think what's crazy and I can see records doing too, is even with all the growth, maintaining the thing that made them so special. And it's so important to protect that, even though all these exciting things are happening. Um, so it's it's really cool, and I think they're doing a really good job of it. And with all the new stuff they have going on, I have going on, I still feel like I can call anybody. So I'm proud of us for that. Just Drive comes out. That's your debut single. Get some traction, as you said, on DSPs and social media. But also I saw Sirius XM picked it up. I know there yep. were some radio stations around the country that played it oh, too. Yeah. So you got a good, you know, kind of start. And then it seems like, you know, we, we've slowed down. We've worked on some new music here. How yeah. is that feeling for you to sort of like, you got that kickstart, but then it's like, okay, we got to back off this for a little bit now. Definitely. I definitely got a taste of the, the juice, the water, whatever. And then I had to kind of go back and just really write songs I was proud of and wanted to put out in the world. And, you know, I got to tour a lot last year. I was gone so much. I got my Southwest Companion Pass. Yeah. Like, I got all my A-list things. Um, but it's been cool to also take a second and remember why I started it. Because it was about the craft, the love for it. So to be able to dive into that and do that has been so much fun. I have an EP coming out on May 19th. Um, and I'm just so proud of every song on there. There's two more left to be released. We've kind of singled most of them out. Um, but I just feel so proud of the music. It feels so honest. It feels like not leaving any details out. And the last EP I put out felt a little bit sugar-coated. And even though the songs were fun and they were easy to listen to and there's still so much fun to play live and seeing the girls sing on is insane. This one feels like, all right, we had our like handshake introduction, surface conversation, and now we're really getting into the good stuff and the deep things and the under the surface. And it's been cool to see how releasing even just a couple songs in that world has made the connection with the listeners that much deeper, even like so quick, even just doing playing Tortuga and seeing those girls and talking to them after. Um, it's just different. It feels more special. It feels more personal. It's like I'm able to be there with them in their, you know, on their bad days, on their good days, even though obviously I can't be everywhere all at once. A song can be. So it's cool to see that happen. And even though it's been awesome to write and record, I'm so ready to be back on the road <laughs> and playing shows and seeing everybody and getting the band back together. Like it's just going to be so exciting. So I'm excited to play CMA Fest do some more shows throughout the summer. It's going to be a blast. It kind of feels like your first EP was like the first date. And now we've got, you know, we decided we'd like to hang out with you again and see where this can go. And now you're giving us the second EP, which is like the real meat and potatoes. That is a wonderful way to put it. Yeah. It's like, you know how I said like I had an ex boyfriend. Okay. So like actually the details of that are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's, um yeah, that's exactly how I should be putting it from now on. There you <laughs> go. Makes, 
I'm happy to help. And I, I will say this here. We're talking at the end of April and um, I can say this with absolute confidence. Your song always never is my favorite song of 2023 uh, to this point. That song right. is so damn wow. good. Thank you so much, man. That means that means a ton. I know you hear a lot of music. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really proud of that one. It was one that I wrote very in the moment of feeling things, and I hadn't done that a lot. I had loved to write, write songs like months after things had happened or weeks, and this was one that I was writing with Josh Kerr and Sarah Buxton, and I had written with Josh Kerr one too many times for him to not be able to tell when I was, you know. Not okay. Um, so I walked in and we started talking and the song just fell out and we knew it might be special. I mean, honestly, at first it was like, wow, this is everything I've been feeling. I didn't know how to say it and I've said it and now I can move on with my life. And unfortunately I forgot that I am an artist and I have people that want me to release songs. <laughs> and sometimes when I write the songs, we release them. Um, so it's been cool to be able to heal from that experience, but also have this song that is so in the moment that it's able to be there in the moment with people when they're feeling it. So it's been really, really cool to see um, what that song has done because I haven't released anything like that before. And it is really just so important. So I've been trying to write things more in the moment, um, but mostly. But that means a lot. Thank you for sharing that. Well, now I know another reason why I love that song so much, because I i mean, I'm a fan of yours, but and I've always been a big fan of Josh. I knew he was involved. I didn't realize Sarah was on that song. And Sarah Buxton, oh, yeah. to me, is like one of the most unsung heroes of Nashville. That girl oh. is so crazy talented. And I, I'm glad she found her lane back in writing and doing backup vocals. I know she tried the the career, the, the onstage career for a while. I don't think it worked yeah. out quite for her. But I'm so happy that she's still so involved with other people in writing because oh, yeah. she's ridiculously talented oh yeah i write with her in just a couple weeks and i have like two other songs that i just love that i've written with her she is such like a mom and a girl in the way of that you're talking to her and she really really listens when you're talking and i think that her ability to do that creates the most magical songs because she is trying to get that authentic voice in there and she's so good at it because she was an artist and she knows what it feels like to have it there and what it feels like to not. So she really wants to fight for you getting that. Um, but yeah, she's, she is so, so talented. Her version of stupid boy Ugh. kills me, kills me. That was the first version I heard. I actually heard that before I heard the Keith Urban version. And I, when I heard Keith again, I was like, sorry, Keith. <laughs> I was like, Sarah's got you. <laughs> but it's not Sarah. <laughs> yeah. is insane. So we've got the new EP coming out May 19th. Very excited for that. That's right around the corner now. Geez, it's only a couple weeks away at this point. And you're doing some stuff, CMA Fest. Like what, what's, so what's next? Like what's coming? What's, what, what can we be excited for in the Aaron Kinsey world? Well, to be excited, um, definitely shows and like even some more like opening slots and stuff are coming out throughout the summer. So follow me on the socials. Don't worry. I will tell you. Um, but new music. And then honestly, the week after, uh, the EP comes out, we're having an A&R meeting to talk about new music again, because I am have songs that I've written, even the ones with Sarah, that I just can't wait to get out in the world. And I feel like I've been a little bit protective with my music recently because I know there's an EP coming. So I'm like, I want you to like that stuff. <laughs> Please like that because it's already uploaded and we can't take it down. Um, so after that's out, kind of all of the fences, all the reins are off. So I'm excited to just start posting some demos, start posting some stuff and I mean, anybody is more than welcome to let me know what they think. <laughs> I love to hear it. I can't wait to see it. Hopefully we'll get you through the uh, Baltimore area here sometime oh, soon. I 
would love to come up there. It's been, oh, I would love to. One of the things that uh, breaks my heart is that when we got a chance to meet last year, we met for lunch and uh, because of the situation, I wasn't actually able to get you to hear you perform live. Uh, I mean, it was great to have that time with you, but I need to see you perform in person. Oh, absolutely. It's my favorite thing to do. We got to get it in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me at this cool spot and I got to meet your girl. That's and true. The, you know, those are two points. She'll be very <laughs> jealous that she missed you today. Oh, poor girl. She is so sweet. How old is she? Uh, I, I say two and a quarter, because when you're that young, you can have quarter, half, and all that. So she's two and a oh, quarter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, precious. Man, when are you going to get her a guitar? Uh, she already has one. She's got like a ukulele that she strums on. Oh, she's already running. Who knows? She's already Oh, she knows all the lyrics to every Disney song. It's you know what's kind of funny actually is she's she's kind of like a hype person on stage because when she sings, she always emphasizes the last word in the line. So when you get to the end, it's almost like you've got someone behind you being like, "Yeah," every time, <laughs> and oh, it cracks I, me up. I love this. That's amazing. Oh, you gotta. I mean, I hope you're videoing all of this. Oh, it's so much. It's ridiculous how much we. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You know, I just got Disney Plus. I didn't have it. I had like Netflix, Hulu, or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I want to watch Monsters Inc. And you can't do that without buying it on iTunes. Absolutely not. Or you get Disney Plus. And I watched that. I watched Brother Bear. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in my element. So I'm I'm right there with her. I'm learning all this too. <laughs> She's got to like like we don't talk about Bruno. It'll be like you. We'll oh. sing with her. We'll be like we don't talk about. She's like Bruno. <laughs> like it's like having your little like, hype girl. Don't talk him. We don't talk about him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, Aaron, uh, I'm such a fan of yours. I, I really, you've got some great stuff coming our way. I, I love the new music. I, I like what you were putting out before, and I'm glad that you mentioned that you feel like you've grown since the first EP, because I, I hear that in the music, too. Like, I was listening to Just Drive this morning before talking to you. Great song, but when you compare that to what you've just put out, you can totally hear the difference. You can hear the growth. You can hear the change. That means a lot. You know, you, you get nervous that you're just caught up in your own world. And if you take a step back, that it's not going to look the way you think it looks. Um, but so for somebody from the outside to say that, that means everything. And I'm such a fan of yours. You're like one of my favorite people that we got to meet last year. Just so genuine and kind. And this has been so much fun. So thank you so much for reaching out. Yeah, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to the rest of the songs on May 19th. <laughs> and I just can't wait till we get to see you again in person. Oh, me too. I'm first flight. <laughs> <laughs> Big thank you to Erin Kinsey for her time today. I had the chance to meet her about a year ago. I, I love being able to watch her career grow. After having that opportunity to meet her and just getting to know her and what a wonderful person that she is, I, I love it. I love seeing things working out for her. If you want to find out more about Erin or her music, you can find it all over wherever you stream your music and on social media. And thank you to all of you for checking out the Adult Education Podcast this week. I appreciate you. Until next week, be well. <laughs>